0: I'm certainly honored and thankful for this opportunity to teach this morning, anytime to teach or preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. All through my heart and life, my desire is to know him and to make him known. As Pastor has mentioned, uh, next Sunday is our church's anniversary. And for those of you that may be a little bit new with our church, a little history of Tucson Baptist, It was founded by Pastor Lewis Johnson, and he served the church for 50 years, and I had the privilege of serving with him some 30 years. Pastor Armstrong just completed his 12th year, and I'm glad to say our church is alive, and it's healthy, and it's growing, it's vibrant, and the Lord has done great things for us whereof we are glad. So plan to be with us next Sunday for our anniversary. As Pastor mentioned, it's Churchwide Fellowship, the Be Like Tyke Award, the Be Like Lois, World of Difference Awards. We certainly hope that you can be with us. This is not in your outline, but in continuing along the theme of outside the box. What a phenomenal series it has been that Pastor started for us. I'm gonna be speaking from the perspective of the Apostle Paul. From Acts chapter 9, we hear the story. His name was Saul, and he was on a mission. He had gone. He had received permission and papers. And don't mistake this. Saul was a Christian terrorist. He was going about arresting those that claimed the name of Christ. He was placing them in jail. Some of them were losing their lives because of his testimony. And as he's on the road to Damascus... God dramatically changes his life, knocks him off the horse. He's blinded there by the light, and he cries out to the Lord. And his life is dramatically changed from Saul to where he becomes the great Apostle Paul. And we're going to look this morning at his perspective, and I've entitled our message, The Mystery of the Church. You know, we live, I think, in a world of unsolved mysteries. One that's very familiar to us is the Bermuda Triangle. The western part there, the North Atlantic Ocean. There's been planes, there's been 16 documented planes that have flown into the area that disappeared. 16 different major ships that have come into the area that have disappeared. You know, human nature draws us to mysteries as well. Many of you are familiar with Sherlock Holmes. Agatha Christie. How about the Hardy Boys? How many remember? Yes. Oh, we can't leave out Nancy Drew for the girls. That's right. But we enjoy mysteries. We really do. Today, John Grisham seems to lead the list. Television. Now, this will be mainly for those a little bit older. There was someone that every, every, every program, the witness would confess under his weathering examination, Perry Mason. Yes. Every time, they would confess right there. It was amazing, but we would watch it. Today, we have CSI, Criminal Science Scene Investigation. In fact, there's three shows, CSI Las Vegas, CSI Miami, CSI New York, and then Criminal Minds, just, you know, 15 seasons, and there's a talk of a reboot. But I'm here to tell you this morning that the Apostle Paul was a mystery writer. Not in fiction, but he used the word mystery 20 different times. Now, the Greek word is mysterion, and it means an unrevealed truth that is now revealed. Join me, if you would, please, Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, and I invite you, if you're physically able, if we can stand in honor of reading God's word. Ephesians chapter 3. The verses are behind me. You have your Bible, or there might be a Bible by you there in one of the seats. I'll read the odd verses. I'll start us off. And then I'm going to have you read the even verses so we can have wonderful participation in his reading. Verse 1 For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in few words. Which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of grace of God, given unto me by the effectual working of His power. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. To me, According to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, we come before you. We thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. We do lift up our missionary team, thankful that they're presenting Christ and serving around the world here. We have surrendered this time to you. I pray that you would help me to say what you wish me to say. Thank you for each who have come. May they be enriched by your word. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You can go ahead and be seated. We have a little bit we want to cover today, so we'll start off here. The mystery revealed. and That is shared with us there in verses 1 through 6, the church. We've come to understand that Christ obviously is the head of the body or the head of the church. He tells us in Ephesians 1, 22, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, that filleth in all. If we were to take the time, we would read through chapter two. In chapter two, there are three different groups that are mentioned. One is general of all sinful mankind, speaking about the entire world. Another group of the people was the Jews or Israel, God's chosen people. And then the third one, which is going to be new, is what is known as the church. In Ephesians two fourteen, for he is our peace. He hath made both one, hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. That was that wall when they would go into the into the sanctuary, and they would place their offerings, the Holy of Holies, that temple. They had that veil, that curtain that was constantly there, but eventually that was torn down. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in him himself, catch this, of twain, one new man, bringing together the Gentiles and the Jews. This was going to be the spiritual people of God, Jews, Gentiles, as it says, one new man. But we're looking at a period of time. This is called a special dispensation. And aren't you thankful that you live in the church age? Or the dispensation, if we call the age of grace. I love the Apostle Paul. He spoke of it often, that he was a prisoner for the Gentiles. Initially, he was a Christian terrorist. Then his heart and life was changed dramatically. And as hard as he opposed Christianity and Christians, then he stood up for it. And he became an apologist for it. And you will read of many atheists that set out to disprove the claims of Christ, and as they study it, it changes their heart and life. Of, like Lee Strobel and others that come to the knowledge of Christ and then they proclaim Christ. Ephesians three one says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner. Of Jesus Christ. He was also called the Apostles of the Gentiles. He was called the Minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. He was a teacher of the Gentiles. Why this emphasis upon the Gentiles speaks about this dispensation of grace. There in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 2, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, All I'm speaking about of a dispensation. This is a period of time of how God deals with mankind. And throughout the Bible, we have several different dispensations. The very first dispensation was one of innocence. God created a garden. He placed Adam and Eve there, completely free of sin. Only one instruction, not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then we have the second dispensation, conscience, because that was broken. And we have the story of Adam and Eve all the way up to Noah. And then after the flood, we have the third dispensation, which was human government. And after they came off the ark, God gave them some instruction. They were to populate the earth. They were to move about the earth. But what did they choose to do? They came together, they decided to build a tower to God, the Tower of Babel. And so God came down and confused their languages, and we have the dispensation there, or the dispersing, even of the different races. That was the third one, the human government. The fourth dispensation dealt with Abraham to Moses. And then we have the fifth, which was the law. Beverly had just completed her devotions yesterday and we were sitting and we were talking and we got to discussing about the law. Do you realize that in the law in the five books Genesis Exodus Leviticus Numbers Deuteronomy there were 613 laws that they had to abide their lives by. And you began to look at how cumbersome it was and to think of having to live under the law even plus the Ten Commandments. But Genesis twelve three tells us something. God loved his nation. He loved the people of Israel. He tells us, I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. But you know something? Jesus came as the Messiah to the Jewish people, but they rejected him. He came to establish a kingdom. But in turn, they rejected him. So God turned his grace and his mercy and the next dispensation we know as the age of grace or the church age which we're living in right now. Now what will end this dispensation of the age of grace or the church? Go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Pastor Armstrong and I have had the wonderful privilege of serving together here 12 years, starting our 13th year. He's had previous ministerial experience. He and I have conducted literally hundreds of funerals. Literally hundreds. And very often, we'll come to the gravesite, And the funeral home will be there. And they will present the body as they're getting ready to bury with the casket. And this is what they'll say, almost invariably. We come now to the final resting place. But you know something? I don't mean to be cruel, don't mean to be rude. That is not true. Look with me in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or proceed or go before them which are asleep. Those that are there in the cemetery. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise. Now the soul is not there with the body. The the soul is obviously in heaven. The Bible says to be absent from the body is what? Be present with the Lord. But see, God did not even give the victory of death to Satan over the body. He's going to reclaim the body. He tells us there the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive remain shall be caught up together with them the clouds to meet the Lord in the air so shall we ever be with the Lord wherefore comfort one another with these words what a comfort to know we know this as the rapture now the word rapture is not in the bible but it needs to be snatched up suddenly that ends the church age then you move to the seventh dispensation and what's going to take place because of how the jews rejected God and Jesus They're going to be going through a period here upon the earth known as the tribulation. But then it's ushered in the millennial reign of Christ. Once again, I'm thankful to be living in the age of grace in the church age. This mystery being revealed. Join me once again in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3, drop down verse 4. Whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery Of Christ. Verse 6 that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body. This mystery that we're talking about, it's not whodunit, it's previously hidden truth, not known by human means, that's been revealed by God and the Holy Spirit. And this is what's being revealed. See, look with me in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. I pray that you know this verse. I pray that you have marked this verse, that you have underlined this verse. This is one of the most significant verses in all the Bible. I tell you this, God has always promised a Redeemer. Man had sinned. He had broken that fellowship with God. There were consequences that were coming because of this sin. A redeem. Redeem means to buy back, to purchase back. But God has promised us a redeemer. Notice Genesis 3 fifteen. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. Now capture this. It shall bruise thy head. Thou shalt bruise his heel. When Jesus went to the cross, He bruised his heel. The nail prints through his hand, through his feet. A doctor at Calvary says he was bleeding from more than 5,000 different wounds. Yes, bruised his heel. But did you capture what's going to happen to Satan? Jesus is going to crush his head like the head of a serpent. Can I get an amen there? He's going to crush Satan completely. See, the Jews had rejected God and Jesus. So now we have a new revelation. We have the church. Go with me to Matthew 16. Matthew chapter 16. I don't know of understanding of the church, what the church means to you. As we shared, we are thankful for the 63rd anniversary of this church, to share the gospel right here in Tucson, Arizona. Many of you may have attended church in another state, and you've moved here, and you've become part of our church family, which we are most grateful for. But here's the presentation of the church. Look with me in Matthew 16. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do man say that I the son of man am. And they said, some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, some other Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. You know, people do that today. They'll say he was a good teacher, he was a good person, he was a good man. But they leave out the fact that he truly was the Messiah. Verse 15, he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered, thou art the Christ the Son of the living God. And Jesus' answered, said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We learn throughout Scripture the church really has a three-word picture for church. One is the building. When you think of the church, sometimes you think of the building, Tucson Baptist. But this building here is speaking about Jesus Christ being the cornerstone or the rock. And that day they did not have cement, so they had to have a massive rock to be that foundation to start with. And there's a play on words here. You talked about Peter. You're like a stone, you're like someone that could be skipped upon the water. But the church is going to be built upon Jesus, a massive rock, huge, unmovable. Think of the rock of Gibraltar. That's really how the foundation of the church is. And not only is it the building, it's also the bride. Jesus is the groom, and the church is called the bride. 2 Corinthians 11.2 tells us, For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Revelation 19:7, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage lamb of the supper is come. And then we have the body, Ephesians 1:23 which is his body and in Colossians 1:18 he's the head of the body. but here, i come to the crux and really i believe the key of this message i invite your attention to ephesians one what is the purpose of the church why why do we get up why do we get dressed up and come here give our ties and offerings and volunteer and serve and exhorted from pastors to always be here without missing Growth groups and Awana and VBS and all the things that we do. What's the purpose? Well, look here in Ephesians 1, verse 12. That we should be to the praise of his glory. And then notice verse 14. Which is the earnest of our inheritance till the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. I believe that church should be for God's glory. If we are not careful, we can adopt what I call a consumer mentality. And we can come to church asking, what can the church do for me? Sometimes looking for a church, we're looking for a youth program or a music program or whatever. And those are good things, I'm not saying they're not. But what is the main purpose? Our purpose here is to bring glory and honor to him. Go with me now to 1 Samuel chapter 4. 1 Samuel chapter 4. This is my personal opinion. So if you disagree or something, my email is jim at tucsonbaptist.com. Not (laughs) Pastor Armstrong, it's Jim. At TucsonBaptist.com. I believe there are churches today that are in existence and they're going through the motions, but nothing's really happening there. I believe there are churches that have bought into the consumer mentality, the wokeness, they've bought into the culture, and I believe they're bending scripture. And I believe something is happening. An illustration of this is a church that was known as Mars Hill over in Seattle. Started with just a handful of people and grew to more than fifteen thousand people. A number of years ago, the senior pastor had to step down. When he stepped down, within nine weeks the church completely disappeared. What can happen? What's the main purpose for our church? For his honor and glory. Now look with me here in first. Samuel chapter 4, dropping down to verse 19. Israel's engaged in a battle with their enemy, the Philistines. And they decide that to make sure that they're going to have victory, they brought along the Ark of the Covenant. Within the Ark of the Covenant were the Ten Commandments, Aaron's bud, and manna. But this is where God's presence was. This is where he would show up at time. So they were confident of their victory. Well, they go out, and the Philistines completely destroy them. Several thousand are killed. The Ark of the Covenant is captured and taken away. Notice verse number 19. And his daughter-in-law, Phinehas' wife, was with child, Near to be delivered, and when she heard the tidings that the ark of God was taken, that her father-in-law, her husband, were dead, she bowed herself and travailed, for her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women that stood by her said unto her, Fear not, for thou hast borne a son. But she answered not, neither did she regard it. And she named the child... Ichabod, saying, the glory is departed from Israel. Why? Because the ark had been taken. She said, The glory is departed from Israel, for the ark of God has been taken. Ichabod, the glory is departed. May that never ever be said about Tucson Baptist. May we recognize the how solemn it is, and how important it is as church is concerned, that we do nothing to take away from his glory and for his honor. Because we recognize the price of the church. Acts chapter 20, 28 says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the flock of God, which he hath purchased, it tells us, with his own blood. And then he tells us in Ephesians 5, 25, husband, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That's the sacrificial love that Christ had for the church. He was willing to give up his heart. He was willing to give up his life. He was willing to go to the cross that the church could be established. That was the price that Jesus paid. And so if Jesus was willing to pay that price, then I think the church is worthy of our sacrifice and our commitment. Join me in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. When you go through new members class or membership class here, you hear about the history of the church, you find out how the church was started, what we believe, Generally, when you join the church, then you're assigned a deacon. That's my responsibility, is to match you with a deacon. And the deacon oversees the different families. Deacons will oversee sometimes 22, 25 different families. And sometimes they'll text you. Sometimes they'll call you. We haven't had a lot of visiting because of COVID. Pastor will call you every week. Sometimes I have written you, called you, text you. What is the purpose of that? Well, look look here in hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 it says let us consider one another to provoke unto love to good works all we're trying to do if we see a pattern in your life where you began to miss church for two or three weeks we're just trying to nudge you and say hey we've missed you we, we want you back is there something going on is there something we need to know about is there something we can help with is it work is it sickness Oh, has it become a sin problem in your life where you decide, I'm just going to stay away from church? Whatever it is, we're wanting to provoke you. Why is that? Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. That's what we do. We come every morning. And what a powerful music program we had this morning. Thank you, Pastor Jason. The music tied right in with my message here. We didn't talk about it in advance, but the Holy Spirit uses that. You come together. We are celebrating the fact of the resurrected Lord each and every Sunday that we come. Why? Let me encourage you. Be faithful. For his honor. For his glory. And for his praise. See, I'm thankful for this age of grace. I'm thankful for this church age. But I'm so thankful for Tucson Baptist. Look with me in Psalm 27. Psalm 27, verse 4. I don't need to go into the history of how long that I've been here, but I do know that I love this church. And I love the people of this church. And I will tell you this in Psalm 27, 4, really is my heartbeat. One thing have I desired of the Lord. That will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple, to come here and to be present and to worship him in honor and in praise. But you know, you may be here this morning And this church is completely new to you. It may be the first time that you've ever been here. I believe, you know, you can trust someone who would be willing to die for you. And I think the most familiar verse of scripture, which we all know, is John 3.16. Would you quote it with me, please? For God so loved the world, Know the middle word of that verse, his son. Jesus has come down to us and he's offered unto us eternal life by faith in him. See, whenever we speak, we come to a point of what we call an invitation, a point of decision. I have a threefold challenge, which I will close with this morning. The first one here: if you've been a little cool and casual toward your understanding, appreciation of church. Why don't you renew your commitment? Be careful. We don't want Ichabod written over our life or over this church. Renew that commitment. Be thankful for the price that was paid. And secondly, if you're not a member here and you've been thinking about it, let me encourage you to pray about it, to come to the next membership class to learn about it so you can use your gifts, your talents, your abilities, and join us in the calls of Christ. And I say this unashamedly, repeatedly. and all the years I've been here, hardly a month or two will go by that I do not speak with a former member, someone that attended here. Maybe they've gone to another church here in town. Maybe they've moved out of state. Maybe out of the nation. Repeatedly, they talk about the time that they spent here at Tucson Baptist. You recognize that we have 40-plus homebound people that would give anything If they could be here in church, but physically they're unable. So we don't want to overlook how important the church is. I believe that this church is very special. And I believe it's because we're giving praise, honor, and glory in